kids, uh, grades first grade through fifth grade for Kids Church. Uh, you have a great time today, and uh, I believe God is going to bless in great and mighty ways this morning. Amen. I am so excited today um, to have a chance to share the Word of God today. As most of you know, it's been an emotional week, uh, and um, uh, uh, I've yet to pack a box. All right, go sit down. <laughs> it just became more emotional. Uh, excitement just fills the heart right now. Uh, but um, no, we 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 have uh, we have. I have been so um, overwhelmed with kind words and, and love from this body, and I want to thank you for that, and uh, I've only had one per- person threaten to cut me so far, and uh, I don't know who that would be, uh, Sarah, uh, but um, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry, I, I, but uh, but God, God provides. Somebody I know says God's got this, and uh, I hope that that when God sends you a new pastor, that you support that pastor, that you that you bless that pastor, and that you drive that pastor crazy with the phrase "God's got this." I, I just, that's the only phrase of mine I want you to carry over, and that's "God's got this." And uh, but um, I am really excited. I was looking forward to tonight. Uh, Brother Corey was going to be preaching tonight, but with the weather doing what it's doing, I told him just before service. I, we walked out and looked at the snow coming down again, and I said, I don't want you to get up here and preach, and there will just be a handful of people here because, because of weather. And so we're going to roll him back to Wednesday night. Uh, now, that means that you need to come out on Wednesday night, and uh, I want you to be here. I believe God has got a word um, um, laid into Corey's heart, and I'm looking forward to hearing that word. Uh, the street, and I want to have him preach Wednesday night because next Sunday night is live nativity. The next Sunday night is is um, um, uh, district rally, and uh, we've got this Wednesday night. Then the next Wednesday night's Christmas Eve, and we won't have service. And the next Wednesday night will be New Year's Eve, and I'll be in Indiana. And so for me to have a chance to be a part and hear what Corey has to say, it needs to be this Wednesday night. So, so I, I'm looking forward to that, and I want you to be a part of that. Do not miss next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to be concluding our, our series on, I don't even know what I'm calling the series, but we're going to be talking about the Christmas tie, and uh, I want you to be here for that. Also, next Sunday morning, we will be uh, doing a baby dedication, and uh, little Noah will be de- dedicated next Sunday morning. And uh, uh, so we're, we're going to be doing that next Sunday as well. And then on December the 29th will be my last Sunday morning service here at Souls Harbor as your pastor. Um, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to preach. I want you to come anyway. Uh, I am going to be preaching a sermon entitled, God's Got This. And uh, I, I, I just feel like that's where I started with the interview sermon, and that's where I should end with my last sermon. And uh, it will not be the same sermon it was seven years ago, but I know that God has got something special for this church, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. And then, of course, don't forget the district rally at Cameron. 
Cameron has been having their Wednesday night services, and, and they, they've started reaching a few more people. they got signs that will be going up sometime this week, hopefully today, depending on the weather. Uh, but uh, And then uh, I believe that January 5th, is, is that still scheduled your first? January the 5th will be Cameron Reach Church Cameron's first Sunday service. Amen. Amen. Excited about that. Excited about what God is doing there and how God is blessing there. And I believe that God wants to do something great and mighty in our presence and in our hearts and our, and our lives. Today, I want to continue, if I can get there. Where in the world am I at? Praise the Lord. We'll get there in a minute. Amen. Go on to that. There you go. That's awesome. And we'll see if we can get one of these devices to connect so that I can get where I need to be. But um, I believe that God wants to do something great. Today, we are going to be... Um, Today, we are going to be looking at a sermon entitled, The Christmas Sweater. And uh, I, I went and got me a Christmas sweater this week, and, and, and I know everybody would like... Well, I'm sorry. Well... I found it. So I, I got a I got a very uh, uh, quiet, modest Christmas sweater. Uh, I do believe that I would be in the running in any ugly Christmas sweater contest in the country. Um, but um, I, I, I want to spend a few minutes this morning talking about the Christmas sweater. Now, um, I, I got news for you. We we need to understand. That um, that God, there we go. I, excuse me while I figure out what I'm doing. Uh, last week we talked about the Christmas hat, and I still got a hat over here. Let's see here. So we got our Christmas hat, and we talked about the Christmas hat last week, and we talked about the fact that that the Christmas hat is represented. Uh, as the angels declare, we're going to read here in a minute, the angels declare that I'm bringing you good news because a Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born to you. And last week we talked about the Savior, and, and I hope I don't send anybody into a, into a, a, a seizure today with my sweater, but um, we talked last week about the Christmas hat and how that the Savior and I use the, the analogy to the helmet of salvation, how salvation protects our head and protects our mind. I do want to clarify, last week I talked about the fact that Jesus protected our mind, which he does. But I do want to make it clear, Jesus saves our soul. He saves our soul, but then he renews and protects and heals our mind. And so, so we've got to remember that that the Savior, the 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 hat, is about that 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 protecting of our brain, that that change in the way we thought. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Uh, um, don't conform to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
And, and, and that's what the Christmas hat was all about. And, and, and then today we're going to be talking about the Christmas sweater. And I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, uh, a little bit later on. We're going to talk about the Messiah. And next week we're going to talk about the Christmas tie, uh, the Lord. And, and so I'm excited about this series. I want you to open your Bible with me today. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. This is what the Lord says. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you and we praise you for your mercy, your grace, your peace, and your understanding. And Lord, I pray that as I begin, as I attempt, Lord, to, to share this message, Lord Jesus, to, to talk about the things that you have laid in my heart, Lord, I pray that you would give me the ability to move beyond what I know. And Lord Jesus, speak under your anointed power to change lives and to change hearts in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. The angel here declares the Savior, yes the Messiah, the Lord has been born in Bethlehem. It is good news. It is good news when you hear the announcement of a birth. When you hear that that you know when my children were born it was good news. I announced it. I was excited then they grew up. And and, and uh, it, it was good news. Uh, I, I, I have friends, many friends, who are old and decrepit and have grandkids like Dwayne and J-Bay. And, and uh, when, when the news of their grandchildren's birth came, they were excited. I, I haven't had grandkids yet. That's the joy of having ugly children. And, and um, it'll be a long time before I'm old enough to have grandkids, but... Uh, all of a sudden, we understand that birth is exciting. But this angel comes and says, I'm bringing you excitement not just for a family, not just for a church, but for all the world. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born. It is time to celebrate. It is time to give glory and honor. Now today I want to talk about the Messiah. And I'm going to use... The Christmas sweater. Now, many of you will remember last week, maybe you'll remember last week, I said uh, today I was going to be preaching on the Christmas shoes. Well, sweater is not shoes. Can I let you know? I guess now I can. What are you going to do, run me out of town? Uh, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Uh, I, I began to think about Messiah, and before I got into really studying, I was like, Messiah means God with us. And I was like, and God walks with us, and that's, and that's what shoes do, and that's where I was going to go. Then I started studying this week and remembered I had the wrong word in my head. Emmanuel means God with us. Messiah means the anointed one. And I thought, uh-oh, uh-oh, I made a mistake. But I got to thinking about it, and I began to realize, what does anointing do? Anointing covers us. Anointing covers our, our lives. Uh, if anybody knows how anointing covers, it's this church. 
We have poured out more anointing all around this church than I think any other church I know about. And, and, and we know that anointing covers, and, and, and a sweater covers us. And so I decided to admit that I was wrong and come and begin to talk about, how in the world did I get all the way there? There we go. It's like, that's not where I'm supposed to be. Um, how do I do this? And I decided I needed to admit that I was wrong and come in and talk about the covering of the Messiah. The covering of the Messiah. And, and so today I want to spend a few minutes, and I use that term loosely. I, I couldn't help but think as Brother Mark was leaving that song, forever he is faithful, forever he is strong, forever the preacher preaches. I, you know, um, But I want to speak for a few minutes today about who the Messiah is in our life. The first thing that I see, if this thing will work with me and not mess me around, first thing I want to look at is, are you the Messiah? Uh, we find in Matthew chapter 11, verse 3, we find that, that John the Baptist has been arrested and thrown into jail. John the Baptist, you will remember, he was, I preached about him last Sunday night as he was, as Elizabeth conceived in her old age, she was well worn in years. And Zechariah did not believe the angel's word and therefore his mouth was shut up and he was not able to praise God for the promise and the victory that was coming. But then when Mary came carrying Jesus in her womb, John leaped in his mother's womb and was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit from before birth. As you go through the story of John the Baptist, it was John the Baptist who baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. I'm not worthy to baptize you. I'm not even worthy to, to, to loosen your sandals. But yet Jesus said, this is the way it must be done. John said, I baptize with water, but truly there is one coming after me that baptizes with the fire of the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist said, I saw him, but I didn't recognize him until he walked up. And then I saw who the Messiah is. John has recognized who the Messiah is. He has seen the power. He has seen the anointing. He is the forerunner of Christ. His whole message was that there's one coming after me whose name is Jesus who will take away the sins of the world but then John gets arrested thrown in jail and as he's in the prison he calls his disciples to himself and he says go and find Jesus and when you find him go up to him and say Matthew chapter 11 verse 3 are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? In the middle of John's turmoil, this man who the presence of Jesus, as John was still in the womb, caused him to jump. This man who said, now I recognize who he is. 
This man who was there when he dipped Jesus under the water, when he come up, he heard a voice from heaven say, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And he watched the spirit descend like a dove and light on Jesus. This man who had seen things, done things, heard things, who had preached the gospel of good news before anybody knew what the good news was. There used to be a song back in the 70s. I was country when country wasn't cool. John the Baptist was a Pentecostal Jesus preaching Bible thumper before there was Pentecost or Bibles to thump. He was an aisle runner before they had aisles. He he had a fire in him that nobody before him had had, and I dare say very few since him had had, because he didn't preach what he had known. He preached what he could see coming that had not been manifested yet. But yet in his trouble, are you the Messiah? That's why I'm preaching it. Have you ever been there when you've been in trouble? You've been afraid? And you say, God, are you real? Can I tell you something? I heard you say then he smacked you. But that's not exactly how it happened. (laughs) I got good news for you. When fear causes us to doubt our covering. When I am basically a traditional old school Pentecostal preacher. Now, y'all, I do things weird, but I preach like an old man. Well, I, I mean, I am an old man, but I preach like an old man. And, and I... I may be okay with wearing jeans and a jacket, but when I put this sweater on, oh my, I, to get this sweater, I had to get one size smaller than I normally wear, and it makes me look even fatter than I normally do. And, 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 and of all places, they put the lights where right across my gut. I hope it blinds you instead of drawing attention, but Pastor, what are you talking about your sweater for? Because there comes a place. We're live streaming this sermon. In three weeks, I'm going to be pastoring a new church, and there may be some of them watching this live stream right now because their church is out. And they're going to see me in a light-up Christmas sweater. The bishop of Indiana preached there this morning. They may be trying to get him on the phone. Hey, hey, whoa. We watched another video today. He's weird. He's strange. Life spring, I'm on my way. Don't worry. But let me tell you something. Sometimes fear causes you to doubt. John knew what he knew. I knew what God laid in my heart, how God wanted me to use this covering to preach this message. But there's this, mm, you sure? 
Really? A calf with a toboggan on? Okay, a cow. So all of a sudden, you, you have this worry and you say, mm, is this the right thing to do? Are you the Messiah? Oh, now here, here's where thing gets exciting. Because the Messiah is the anointed one. Let me tell you something about the Messiah. John did not anoint Jesus. The anointing that Jesus carries comes from the Father. And so the doubt of John does not affect the anointing of Christ. The doubt of John does not alter the power and the strength of the Messiah, the anointed one of the Father. Therefore, Jesus does not have to get angry at a question in fear. If I question God, he'll zap me. I got news for you. If I had a God that could only zap me because I ask a question, then he's not a God that I want to serve. Because my questions, questions for my fear do not bring fear or doubt or worry into Jesus' life. Because he's the Messiah. Verse 4 of Matthew eleven three says this. Jesus told them, talking to John's disciples, Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. Verse 5 says, The blind see, the lame walk, those who are leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. The anointed one looked to the one in fear and said, listen, go back. Don't go back and tell him, I told you who I am. He didn't say go back and say, listen, you better just believe it. Jesus could have said, you're having a bad day. Suck it up, buttercup. Put your big boy pants on. It's time to believe. You said all this stuff in the wilderness. Oh, I got news for you. We got a lot of people in the church today that would die for Christ, but they have a hard time living for him. Oh, we'll stand in the face of a gun and say, I believe in Jesus Christ when death is on the line, but when life is what we're trying to do, we're too afraid to stand up for him. Jesus could have said, said, you know what? You're so bold at the side of the Jordan. Why aren't you bold in the prison? He could have, he could have berated him. He could have, but instead he said, oh, no, 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 no. Let me remind him who I am. Not by what I say, but by what I do. Go back and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blinded eyes are open. The lame are cured. The leprous 
are cured. The, the, the deaf can hear. The dead are raised again. The good news is being preached to the poor. He said, what I, what the, the Messiah is defined not by what people think, not by what people say, but rather that the Messiah was defined by what he did. He came to be a ransom for many. He came to heal the sick and deliver the downcast. I have been anointed, Jesus says, from prophesying, uh, quoting the prophet of Isaiah. I have been anointed to preach the good news to the poor, to celebrate, to, to pronounce liberty to the captive, and to bring salvation. He says, I have come under the anointing. I am the anointed Messiah. You question who I am? It's not what you say that matters. It's not what you feel that matters. Look back and see what I have done. The old song we used to sing around the church, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He saved my soul. He turned my life around. Look what the Lord has done. That's how we find the anointed one. That's how we find the Messiah. That's how we find who he is. Are you the Messiah? If we want to ask Christ today, are you the Messiah? His answer to us is just the same as it was to John. Look and see what you have seen and heard. See what I've delivered. See where I've healed. See where I've sent power. See where life has been given back. And the proof is in the action. John asked, are you the Messiah? Then we go. To the next statement, hopefully. It says, are, you are the Messiah. Jesus is now standing with his disciples. And he says in Mark chapter 8, who do men say that I am? See, we're continuing on this thing. What are people saying about this? Who do men say that? And the disciples said, well, some say you're Elijah or Elisha or one of the other great prophets. And then we get to verse number 29. And Jesus it says, then he asked them, Jesus asking his disciples, but who do you say I am? Peter replied, you are the Messiah. Peter made a declaration here about the anointed one. When Jesus said, who do men say that I am? What are people saying about me? They said, well, some say this and some say that. And Jesus said, but what do you say? Who do you say I am? And Peter stood up and he said, you are the anointed one. You are the one that's going to cover me. You are the one that's going to guide me. You are the one in whom I put my trust, in whom I put my faith. He made a statement of fact. No doubt, no question, no conversation. Well, you might be. You ever known people that have been around a little bit and they get afraid of absolute terms? Yeah. We do this in the church a lot. 
Well, if God wants it, if it's God's will, it, it, we use that word if. I haven't started if and daily yet, but that's going to be my next deal. When daily butts get done, I'm going to start doing the, the if of the day. But let me tell you something. There comes to be a place that when we're talking about our covering, when we're talking about our Messiah, there comes to a place that we have to quit hedging our bets. There has to come a place that we are willing to boldly get up and say, well, now I believe for me. Now, now, now I don't know what you think. See, that's the modern politically correct. Oh, now, now you can believe what you want to believe, but for me, no, Peter got up. He didn't say for me. He said, you are. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You, there is no question. There is no doubt. I stand here in complete and total faith, understanding that you are the one. Jesus wanted to know not what others think, but what his followers think. Can I let you in on a secret? Jesus doesn't care what Wall Street thinks about him. Jesus doesn't care what Washington, D.C. thinks about him. Jesus doesn't care what your aunt thinks about him. Jesus doesn't care what your loudmouth uncle thinks about him that he's going to talk about at Christmas dinner. What Jesus wants to know is what do you think? What do you think? I got news for you. Jesus doesn't care what I think when it comes to your life. Because when you get to heaven, you're not going to get up there. You can't get up there and go, well, pastor said. He's going to say, I know what pastor said. What do you say? What do you say? And somewhere we got to stand up on our own two feet. Throw our head back and with confidence say, you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are my covering. Now, does that mean Peter never struggled? Huh? You barely even turn the page as you keep reading through the book of Mark. And Jesus is pulling Peter to the Peter's side and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Peter got full of himself. You are the Messiah. And Jesus says, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm going to get to that in a minute. And Peter's like, yeah, I'm important now. Jesus, you don't need to do that. Jesus, you, you need to pay attention. Remember who I am. I'm the one who knows who you are. And Jesus says, get behind me. Don't let your pride. Don't let your pride get in front of us. When Jesus is put on a cross, Peter denies him three times. But then Jesus restores him three times. And Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost and preaches the gospel of peace and 3,000 people get saved. All of a sudden, he becomes the first leader of the church. Now, can I tell you something? 
I understand the coalition between thou art Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I understand it was also, it was prophetic that Peter would be the first leader of the church. But can I tell you, it's also a promise. When you quit him hawing around, uh, well, there's a lot of ways to get there, but the way I choose is Christ. You know what's wrong with the church today? We've taken the attitude that anybody else can go however they want, but, but for us, this is what works. No, we, when we will boldly get up and say, you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You're the covering of our life. You are the provider for us. Then God says, now I can build something in you. Now the enemy cannot advance against you. Let me back up because I just said that wrong. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what that means? Have you ever seen gates come up and attack anybody? That doesn't mean that that the gates of hell can't come and overtake you. It means that when you get to the gates of hell, they can't stop you. They can't stop you. Some of us have been thinking that our profession of faith and our profession of God's power is about our protection in this life. It is not. It's about our mobilization to become offensive in sharing the gospel with a sinful world. We do not have to play defense, church. We have been called to storm the gates of hell, and there's nothing they can do to stop us. When we make a profession, when we begin to understand that our faith causes us to identify our covering. I've gotten hooked on a new show lately. Live PD. There's a lot of crazy people in this world. And I like watching it just see how dumb some people are. I was watching last night and somebody was getting a ticket in their driveway. They led the cops to their driveway. And they were going to get a ticket for not having a driver's license, I think a bad tag. And somebody came out of the house, started cussing at the cop. That led to yelling and screaming forlorn. The cop took him to the ground and began to try to cuff him. At which point, drunk mama come out of the house. Started yelling and screaming and pushing at the cop. And a, a backup came and they're trying to cuff the guy. Mama comes and dives on top of him. Next thing you know, they're trying to cuff one and they're holding a, 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 stu- a taser gun pointed at mama. Somebody's trying to hold mama back. More more cops get there to help. Next thing you know, somebody else from the house, another guy jumps in. Before you know it, there's four or five people on the ground, cuffed up, four of them going to jail. Now, here's the thing that I've noticed watching Live PD. If they go to a house to serve a warrant, They go to that house 
with a jacket and a badge. It's a covering. And they trust that covering to give them the authority that no door that stands in front of them can stop them from getting in that house. Why? They have a covering. Not just a symbol of covering from a jacket or a badge, but they have a covering because they have been duly authorized as a police officer. And I tell you that when we stand up and we use our faith, proclaim that thou art the Messiah, you are the covering, you are the anointing. God brings us into his family. He puts the robe on our back. He puts the shoes on our feet. He puts the ring on our, fan, on our finger. And there's no enemy that can stand against us because we have been given the authority of Jesus Christ. We have been given the covering of Jesus Christ. And when our faith causes us to identify our covering, now we can go and we can tell everybody we know about the gospel whether they like it or not we can stand against sin we can stand against evil why because we don't stand on our own power our own knowledge but we stand under the authority of the anointed messiah of heaven our faith causes us to identify our covering then we go to the book of luke Luke chapter 23, Jesus is hanging on a cross. Criminals on either side, and verse 39 says this. says, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and me and us too while you're at it. Let me tell you something. Sometimes our anger causes us to blame our covering. Take that to the next. Thank you. Our anger causes us to blame our covering for our choices. Mm, I'm going to get mean for a second. I've been nice all day today, so I can get mean once in a while. Just because you're going through a hard time doesn't mean that it's Jesus' fault. Every action has a reaction. Every decision has a cost. And I'm amazed at how many people in the church, whether they're in the pew or in the pulpit, like to blame Jesus for their decisions. This man was a liar, a cheat, a burglar, thief, a murderer, I don't know all of the crimes he did, but he rightfully deserved the cross. Pastor, how do you know he rightfully deserved it? You can tell it by his attitude. He thought he was above punishment. And when he looked at Jesus, 
So you're the Messiah, are you? So you think you're somebody special. Then why have I had to go through hard times all my life? Put it in another way we might understand. So your God is a God of love. Then why did my parents get a divorce? Your God's a God of love. Why did I have to grow up in orphanages? Your God's a God of love. Then why did my child die? Then why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did I struggle with drugs for so many years? Why can't I get a good job? Why can't I do this? I got news for you. I don't have the answer to all your whys, but I can tell you, it ain't God's fault. But the Messiah can cover your fault with the right attitude. But when we start taunting God, so you're the Messiah, are you? So you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Well, then prove it to me. There was another criminal on the other side. He had the same background. He had been through the same problem. And he says, forgive me. Have mercy on me. And to him, Jesus said, you will be with me today in paradise. What was the difference? He wasn't demanding. He was repenting. Now, lest you think the worst people in the world about demanding of God are the rankest sinners of the world, I'm going to tell you, you are wrong. The worst people about demanding of God are the religious people of the world. God, I've been in the way for 50 years. I deserve this. If you're really God, prove it. I've went to church every Sunday. I've gotten every attendance badge and ribbon you can get. Praise God we don't do that junk anymore. I remember the days when they had the attendance ribbons and people would come in and they had ribbons down to the floor how many years they hadn't missed the service. Let me tell you something. I wish that people would come every Sunday. But when it becomes a source of pride, what we're saying is you're the Messiah. Are you? Look who I am. When it becomes that's my seat. Oh, then it becomes, oh, you may think you're God, but that's my place. Y'all remember several years ago I preached a sermon. It ain't yours. It's not your parking spot. It's not your seat. It's not your ministry. It's not your church. Mm, I know I got to hurry. I know I don't have to hurry up. Dear Lord, I got plenty of time. <laughs> I got news for you. 
you're about to go through a transition in this church. And I want you to beware. Beware of anybody that rises up in this church and start calling it their church. In the process of finding a new pastor, beware of anybody. Now, this is our church. No, this is his church. And the one thing I know that I know that I know is God's got this. And God doesn't bless me with another church and an open door to go into to excel ministry without saying I've got a plan to excel the ministry here. God is not limited to blessing one. He's going to bless us all. I got news for you. Sometimes we let our anger cause us to blame our covering. Our anger causes us to bite the hand of the one that wants to feed us. When I was a kid, I had a dog. I was running with my dog in the backyard one day, and he ran between my legs and tripped me. And when I fell, I landed on his leg and heard it go, I jumped up, that dog yelped and set up. I went back to pet him, had my sleeve unbuttoned, it was hanging down. My dog never snapped at me, he bit that sleeve. Why? He was hurting. He was hurting. And his hurt caused him to lash out at his provider. Sometimes our hurt man hanging on a cross was hurting. Caused him to lash out at his provider. But never think that you are bound to that because the one on the other side says, I'm hurting. But I understand that there's a chance that if I will be repentant and if I will ask for mercy, that the one in the middle can make a difference. You're the Messiah, are you? That's a question we should never ask. Are you the Messiah? God can handle that. You are the Messiah. God's looking for that. You're the Messiah, are you? Mm. Now, you're testing him. You're making him work for you. And I got news for you, church. God don't work for you. But we live in a society that we've decided that we want to create God in our own image instead of being created in his image. We want God to look like us. And when God looks like us, we've got more grace than justice. we got more I get my way than we get what's best for the body. We've got to be careful where we're at. Then we go to the next one. Somewhere, there it is. I am the Messiah. John chapter 4, verse 28. Notice I've walked through every one of the Gospels this morning. The good news, that's what the Gospel is. John four twenty six. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. He's sitting with a woman at the well. She's had five husbands, and the man she's living with isn't her husband. 
She comes to draw water from the well at a time that nobody else will be there because she doesn't want to deal with the ridicule of sinful people. She's a Samaritan, a half-breed, can't be accepted in the Jewish church because she's not complete and whole. And she says, one of these days the Messiah will come and he'll tell us everything. And Jesus does something amazing. He does not hide himself. But rather he looks at her and says to her, I am the Messiah. Jesus is not trying to hide from you. He's not trying to run from you. If you look through what we've talked about in Scripture today, he was promised by the angels. He was proven by his actions. He was pronounced by his disciples. He, had, he was punished by his enemies. And he, was proclaim, he proclaimed himself to the world. The Messiah, the anointed one, the covering, said, I want you to see me. I want to make sure that I stand out. Why do I have an ugly sweater on? Because Beth loves it so much. I mean, she stares at these lights and her eyes twinkle even more. She Look at her. She closed her eyes. We, this sweater, this covering is bright, flashy. It's so bright, Howard's got to wear sunglasses. It's visible. You can see it. You notice it. When you walked in today, you saw me, you noticed me. I did not hide in a corner. Can I tell you something about the Christmas sweater? I bring you good tidings of great joy. There will be joy to the whole world. The Savior. Yes, the Messiah. The one that wants you to find him. The one that wants to be seen. Oh, I don't care what your past is. I don't care what your legacy is. I don't care what your tradition is. I don't care what your family's done, what you've done. I don't care what's happened in your life. I'm here to tell you I have made time to be with you by the side of the well to tell you that I am the Messiah, Jesus says. I am the one you're looking for. I'm the hope. I'm the peace. This woman runs into the city, a place that she would even normally hide and try to sneak through. And this time she lifts up her voice and she says, come see a man who told me all things that I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Oh, I've seen what he looks like. I've heard his voice. I've I've heard the love. I've heard the compassion. I've heard this this is him. This is the one. We 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 got to understand. He's not trying to hide. Too many of us look at God like he's trying to play hide and seek with us. I'm just trying to find God. 
but ye not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That verse goes on to talk about that's when we find his good and perfect and pleasing will. If we began to understand that he's not hiding in a corner, all we've got to do is go to him. Blind Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road. Can't see anything, but he hears a commotion. What's that? Jesus is coming by. Blind Bartimaeus was blind. He couldn't see him. But yet he stood there, sat there by the side of the road and said, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me! Because he knew Jesus wasn't trying to hide. And when he called out for mercy, Jesus came. One of the guidelines laid out in the Jewish faith that the Messiah would do was bring sight to the blind. When Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus came to his side and opened his eyes. God's not trying to hide from you. He's not trying to hide his will from you. He's not trying to hide his, his, his personality, his blessing, his provision from you. We just have to believe. We have to get away from, you're the Messiah, right? Yeah, you're the Messiah, all right. We have to even move past the fear of, are you the Messiah? We need to get to the proclamation, you are the Messiah. So that we can hear him say, I am the Messiah. See, the good news that the angels talk about, the good news that we sing about at Christmas, the good news that, that causes us to do live nativities and Christmas programs and causes us to exchange gifts between each other is because God said, I'm going to let the Messiah, the anointed one, come and live among you as Emmanuel. God. Our covering covering is here to bless us. It's here to make a way for us. It's here to show us we've got to be confident enough to say, God, I believe that you are the Messiah. That's what it's all about. That's what Christmas is about. The Savior the renewer of our mind is the anointed one that directs our step. And he's also the Lord who commands our life. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the Lord. Each one of these statements that the angels made, the Savior, he delivers us from our sin. 
the Messiah, he's anointed to meet every need that we've got. And the Lord is our master. He's our boss. Next week is the hardest one for us to accept in America. We can accept a Savior. Sometimes we can understand a, a Messiah. But we have a hard time understanding a Lord. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Before we close today.